our good friend, Master Gardener, Barbara Lampson. Good morning, Barb. And it looks like another rainy day out there. Hey, Karen, you know what I think it's going to be? But, you know, I, I always read in the free press the what the weather's going to be like, what the uh, UV index is. And I looked and it said uh, at 1 o'clock today, the UV index is only 3. So and that, that's a that, yeah, silver lining. That's, you know, so if you're, and if it stops raining or if it's just a slight mist and you can be outside, you know, there's, there's something great about that. I also read that the soil temperature is 73 degrees. And boy, that is nice and warm, isn't it? So it's still a good time if you want to germinate some seeds. You could probably plant some bean seeds. You could, and I've talked to people that are planting annual flowers right now from seed and there's still time to do that but I was also uh, figuring that if September 15th is our first frost uh, we have 80 some days until frost time. Okay so, then I can't I was going to put some of this popcorn out but it's 110 days so that will be out. Out absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing you got to look at that and, and sometimes I just feel like this spring has gone by because we've had so many wet cold rainy days that I just have not been able able to get out there like a lot of people and farmers too yeah yeah and uh, you know I've tried to fill my time with doing things like pruning and really uh, the pruning this year has just been endless we have been I think four or five times to third avenue to bring branches and things um, this past week we pruned the uh, grapevines which are the grapevines which I just simply use for covering mm-hmm. some trellises and to soften things in my yard and it's just like everything is growing the shrubs uh, that that have to be shaped there I mean there I've got to prune them this weekend there's no well, doubt about it I think it's with all this moisture we've got and yeah. I'm on the Facebook I'm a, I've uh, belong to the American Hosta Society and the Minnesota Hosta Society so every day there's people posting pictures of their hostas and all of them comment how this has been one of the best years ever yes. and they're just beautiful because they love that moisture yes and, and they're cool oh they're just beautiful yes. and you know one of the things I talked about last year is how I had such bad slug problems I don't have any yet but I have started early remember before yes. they actually got really out of the ground right. with the the sluggo it's a iron phosphate that they digest and it basically kills yes. them yes so Hopefully, I'm out front before they got into the the life cycle, where then they just start reproducing like right. crazy. Right. So so far so good. You know, and um, I had some visitors to my yard this week. Uh-oh. As a matter of fact, a couple of different tours, and this lady said, "Well, you know, I read because she was looking at my hostas mm-hmm. and the blue angel, which I've had in my garden probably thirty years, and." It has reached a size that it's never been at before. So you think genetically they stop at a certain point, but even if they have like all these vitamins and everything is perfect, you know, the weather is cool. They love that. There's plenty of moisture. They they go beyond that. Yeah. So that is really exciting. But she said, you know, I noticed you have uh, bark around everything. And I said, yeah, I do. She said, isn't that worse for slugs? And actually... Yes and no, because they can hide underneath that. But um, before I had bark around things, I also had slugs. So um, I think the slugs are there, whether you've got the bark in there or not. And what does help with the, especially for the hostas, is it keeps the ground cooler and it holds the moisture Moisture in, in. keeps the weeds out. I've got some bags of of, uh, bark that I haven't put down yet and I want to and I keep worrying about the slugs. But the point is, I mean, it also keeps the moisture in. So I think I'm going to 
just bite the bullet and put it down. And but I think not put it maybe right against the the sure. stems and maybe pull yeah. it away so they have a little break, yes. Yes. so to speak. But that's just something I think is just there. You've yeah, got right. them. And, and yeah, yeah, you only have so much time to do these things. And so you have to prioritize. Now, I'll tell you an insect that is really bad right now. And this is the first year I've had them. And that is that little green worm. The rose slug. It's, if, you, if you compare the size to a piece of yarn, maybe even a little smaller than a string of yarn, mm-hmm. and, and they're green, and they happen to be on my Easy Elegance roses. And they're from soft flies. Soft flies. Larva, yeah. yeah and, and where did those soft flies come from this well, year? I've had that for years now, Barb. And I've talked about it before. And I think you looked at me like, what are you talking about? So, yeah. so they came from my house and when I sent them over to yours. <laughs> I, I, well, you know what? I, I don't know how, how they... Uh, move so far away or hardly come in. Wind, I mean, uh, weather, uh, yeah, all, all that. of these things are right. I wondered if there's something um, a, with the planting that I've got there, because it's on the north side, it's up against my greenhouse. They have absolute uh, wonderful protection because in the wintertime, the greenhouse heats up to as high as 90 degrees, and they have a much more, they have a microclimate, is what they have. And so their foliage is just green and lush. I wonder if the soft flies, if if they're seeking out this really health healthy, lush well, looking foliage. I will tell you, Barb. I've got my. I've had the the soft fly, the, the those rose slugs, on my knockout roses for years now, and they are all in front of my house on the mm-hmm. the north side. So they get a little more limited sunshine, but they're beautiful this year, by the way. Besides them, but I also have them out in the open at the lake house, and so for this year, I've noticed that they are covered too. So I'm not sure. I just think maybe it's just that they're in the air. Yeah. But what I did was when I first saw the damage, because I always look for it because I know they're going to be there, is I took that neem oil, which is a yes, uh, excellent organic, and I just sprayed it under because they're under the leaves they, yes. that's where they hide and you'll see them they look they're kind of gross I don't like them but and, and they're also along the stalk itself and yes. because the uh, with the rose bushes they're nice bright green they really do fit right in there they oh. just they're just so disguised as a matter of fact I have to put my reading glasses on <laughs> which, yeah, which magnifies things so that I can really see them and the same way when I turn the leaf over but in the morning I go out about seven o'clock and they're curled up in a little ball. They're just a little tiny uh, curl like, like that, and, and and I'm hand-picking them. Well, the other thing that, that I've done as well is I've used the neem oil, and it kind of suffocates them, but I also take blasts from the hose underneath, and I just yeah. blast, because that's the other thing they say, just knock them down. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great idea, too, and, and getting at it early. Now that I know they're there, so then when I saw them there, I thought, well, okay, if they're... They're just, I mean, they started at the base of the plant at where I wasn't. You don't look. No, yeah, exactly. You're looking at the top where the leaves are. Sneaky, yeah. yes, very yeah. sneaky, and you get down on your hands and knees. So I went up <laughs> to the south side, and, uh, and I looked at the roses up there, and I got down on my hands and knees and crawled around. I didn't see anything. Hmm. So 
uh, I don't know, for some reason, they're back there. I'm going to watch them. Maybe they haven't got there yet, but they will. Yeah, it's annoying. And uh, I always think air circulation is good. And and maybe with them butting up against this glass from the greenhouse, maybe maybe Hmm. that prevents air circulating and knocking them off. I don't know. On the south side, we get we get quite a bit of wind up on the hill, so there's more air circulation up there. So I'll watch that too. So your roses are on the hill? Um, they're in the front in the houses. You know, we're on we're on Rita Road, so we're oh, up on top. Oh, okay. I was thinking that the, the hill. When I say the hill, I think of the the Loyola garden where your vegetable garden is. But no, that's no, no. Okay. Is it? Oh, let's just talk about the vegetable garden. You know, squirrels. Uh, I have squirrels, Barb. Do ya? Yeah. They've been. They've every year they chew and yank my beets out. I'm so mad. You know where I planted my beets this year? Where? I have um, uh, an A-frame made out of wire in my um, garden up at Good Council for Vegetables. And I'm growing, as I did um, every year, I grow my cucumbers up that on that metal. It's that actually that cattle we call that cattle fencing. So right. it's, mm-hmm. it's harder and you make it into an A-frame. I think about they always call that Hog paneling, what okay. we used to call, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's real heavy. It, it is real, real heavy. Yes, it can take the weight of cucumbers, and they form on there, and they hang down. They're easy to pick, and you have less chance of disease because you've got them off the ground. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of that, and it's quite a space that I've got in between those, underneath those two, uh, that A-frame, and I planted my beets under oh, there. Oh, so they have a little tent. Yes, they do. And I thought they're going to be more protected here. Now, the problem that we have at Good Council, we have the electric fence, keeps out the deer. But if babies are born in there, uh-huh. uh, then we have those to con- contend with. And we also have mice that will come up there. Oh, and sure. I'm, I'm not surprised because some people use straw and things like that. Right. And, and, and it has little grains on them still. It does. So, so that's good eating for them. So we'll see how that works this year. But one of the things, um, you know, I love peas. I, I love to pick peas. I love to have children come up and, and you pick them and you eat them. I mean, it's a memory I had from when I was a child when we would mother would send us out to pick the peas and we very seldom came with any brought any back in the house we just sit and eat them they were just so choice and this year I planted uh, mammoth which is is that that's a, a pea in the pod not the the um, edible ones right where you eat the whole st- it, it, it's the snow crab. It's oh. the snow crab. so okay. they're, they're the great ones mammoth is great for uh, stir frying and uh, that's that's a really nice one. And then I also planted Green Arrow, and I planted Early Perfection. And all of them take different amounts of times, mm-hmm. you know, from 60 to 66 days to 70 days. And so I had left a few spaces, and now I put in some more seeds. Oh, very good. So I thought I'm going to try and see how far we can push the peas into the warm weather. Succession cropping. And they say we're going to have a cool summer. Oh, so well, that'll you know, help it. Yeah, and they're up already. So, Wonderful. And one of the things you can do with peas when you plant them is if you'll soak them in water for a while, the, that'll uh, soften up that shell, and the little flower or the little stem will come right up. And yeah, that, that won't take them so long and because they're, 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 they're ready to come out. Yes. Do you know, when you talk about doing that with seeds, uh, do you know those cardinal vines? Yes. And they have those, those, they're little like triangular seeds, and it says you should nick them or something before sure. you plant them. Well, I planted the cardinal climbers because they, they have some pretty flowers on them, along with those runner beans, which also mm-hmm. climb and have mm-hmm. pretty flowers. Well, so I planted the runner beans, put just stuck them in, but I nicked a corner off of, with a 
piece of sandpaper of each of those cardinal vine, uh, cardinal climbers, mm. car- cardinal climbers. Yeah. And they've came up in two days. Yeah. And sometimes they call that vine cypress vine too. Oh yeah, that's the other. <laughs> but I was just, I was just shocked because I says, well, if you don't do this, it'll take a long sure. time. So when sure. they popped up in two days and then the, the, the uh, runner beans weren't up yet, I was shocked. Yeah. You know, um, uh, in Georgia, when I'm there in the winter, the first winter that I was there, I planted that vine on my daughter's uh, big fence. Uh-huh. It was just a privacy fence, and it was, you know how it is when you have a big space like that. Right. You look at that, and you think, what can we do with that? Oh, vertical gardening, you know. Yes. And, and I w- had one package of seed, and... The, every seed must have germinated and climbed on that fence. Did you nick it then? Like no, I oh, didn't. Oh, you didn't. But okay. you know, in the uh, I was planting those probably uh, February, March. Right. And they have lots of rain then, uh, usually. Perfect. And and they just germinated really fast. And uh, where she was at. There, the soil was very sandy, and I found out that that's not at all true in Georgia. A lot of uh, areas clay, just clay, yeah. yeah, heavy clay. But this was a new subdivision, and sure. I'm not surprised. And it was on top of a hill, but uh, that was a perfect plant for there. And she had lots of butterflies that, uh, visiting, and she had birds visiting. And then I put up some bird feeders right by those, and a bird bath. And I mean, it was a it was a great little. Uh, it was a great little niche, you know, with, sure. with not a great deal of effort. Well, this is the first year that I have actually tried the cardinal climber or cypress vine, uh, as you called it. Because in the past, on this obelisk I've got, I've put things like morning glory. The thing I have with morning glory, they're beautiful, but they take so long before they actually bloom. It's like the end of the summer, and then right. you feel like you don't have them very long. I've done Thunbergia, also known as the black-eyed Susan vine. And that was very pretty, but I just wanted to try something new. It's not as vigorous. Yeah, it, yeah. And this this uh, cypress vine, this is so vigorous. And I mean, it seems to wind its way up. It just, it just, uh, it, it clings on and uh, it, a little effort there. And the thing of it is, uh, when I went back um, in uh, March, April, uh, I collected seed. There oh. were already some, uh, April, there were already some of the plants wow. that were, were done blooming, and I collected seed and I replanted them. And as a matter of fact, I wouldn't have needed to because they, they received. Yeah, yeah, they d- really did. Well, when I got the packet of the cypress vine, the folks at the store, I went to, it was at a nursery, said, you know, you should, if you want a lot of color, get the scarlet runner bean because and you plant them together. Yes. So I've got both of them in this big pot uh, under my, my obelisk. So I'm going to see how that turns out. This will be the first year of trying this, so something new. You know, the scarlet runner bean also gets beans. Yeah. Now, I, are they edible? I guess yes, they, they are. are. Yes, But abs- you don't hear yeah. about them much, really. Well, no, people. because the flower is nice and, yeah. you know. But, you know, one of the things we did uh, the last two Saturdays at our dis- demonstration garden on Glenwood Avenue was to give away free plants. And we just want to say thanks to our listeners. The first Saturday, we had 50 people come down, pick That's up plants, awesome. tour our gardens. And the second Saturday, we had 20 people come down. And here's something really nice that happened on that first Saturday. We had a couple who are scientists come and visit the garden. And um, Marilyn, the wife, was very well versed on garlic mustard. And when she came up to the table where I was giving away plants, she said, do you know you have 
garlic mustard across the road from you? And I said, no, I don't even know what it looks like. And she had a piece of the plant, and she said, just crush the leaves together. It has this really pungent smell. You can identify it like that. And I said, well, would you show me where it's growing? Mm -hmm. So we went across the road on Locust Street there to uh, the city property, very nice green space along Glenwood Avenue. And she said, look at this. She said, this is the mature plant. It's all, it's got seed heads on it, and it needs to come out because she said... Once it reseeds, I suppose it's It will live in the soil for five years. Mm. And she said, this is the time of year to just pull it out. So I thanked her, and I thought, well, you know, I think maybe we could do something about that so we don't have to bring any chemical in here. And I'm always afraid of chemical drift, and I'm thinking about the pollinators, which we love so much. And so I called Ms. Stevens, uh, uh, the parks uh, superintendent, and I asked her about that. And she said, well, you know, we know it's there, and we have it in several places on Glenwood Avenue. And she said, we I said, well, maybe it should be pulled out. It's an invasive, correct? And it's on the invasive list as well. And she said, if you'd be willing to pull it out, we'll bring the bags and the gloves and things down for you. And we'll pick it up after you've bagged it, and we'll dispose of it properly. And so I checked with some of our master gardeners, and you came down and took pictures, Karen. I did, and I know the Free Press, I believe, is going to be putting something in eventually. I talked with Edie because we took pictures, and there was a crew of folks that were down there pulling up by hand the yes. the garlic mustard. But then also there was buckthorn, which is also an invasive. There was yes. Dame, Dame's Rocket, yes. which is also invasive. Yes. So you guys were really busy. Yes, and, and we and we pulled the Canadian thistle as well, too, because oh, we right. had these wonderful gloves they brought us that were kind of rubberized, and we packed these plastic bags, and then Tim came and hauled everything away. And that's another thing. What, how do you dispose of this stuff? You can't put this for the city garbage to pick up. And if you send it out to the landfill, uh, will that end up will it actually those seeds does that their landfill does that get hot enough to kill those seeds right. you know are and would it kill all of them so you know that's so some, they bring them to the city compost then, I, or what I believe they, they burn them they burn them that's okay. what Tim thought they were okay. going to do yeah so five people showed up and we just clean clean that all up the hillside right yes and um oh and our extension agent, Shane, was there. And it was really great because we had all these other kinds of weeds that he helped us identify. And, you know, a lot of times you have a weed in your yard and you just, it's just a pest and you just pull it out and you, you're not that interested in it. But we had some good discussions about that. And then Shane said, you know, we, if we come back in the fall, the seeds that were in the soil, they'll be, they'll have germinated and they'll be small plants. They look like are um, native violets that we find in the woods. It's hard to tell, but if you do take the leaf, crush it, that's one way to know for sure what it is because it has that, that garlicky, mustardy smell. So if we can go in the fall, we can hold those out. Uh, you know, this is something we need to do for our green spaces because I can understand the city doesn't have the manpower to go right. around and yeah. do things by hand. One of the things that Shane had that um, <laughs> was really neat is he actually can take a picture of the weed and identify it because he uses an app on his phone and he told me what that was. So if you have a weed and you're not sure of you or plant, you can go and it's called iNaturalist. So like I, I suppose for, you know, 
iNaturalist. And so all you do is you take a photo with your device and you post it to the app and then somehow it matches up, you know, I suppose it's yes. like Face ID. They, they it, match. it was really quickly, yes. You, you know, no searching, no. And yeah. I think of all the books and things I've got that if yes. I just, you know, <laughs> we have a smartphone and, and we could, you know, my husband has control of it. I don't use it. <laughs> don't I have yeah, I have a simple phone <laughs> that all I do with it is when I call. need to call. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. But yeah, that's great. So, you know, um, I would encourage people, if you think you might have uh, garlic mustard on your property, the Extension Service has a wonderful handout complete with pictures and it describes this. And these seed heads, now would be a great time to get rid of that. Before they go to seed, right? Before they go yeah. to seed because the seed there's hundreds maybe even thousands on these on these plants when you start looking at them and i found that the the uh, plant itself it's so sneaky it goes underneath things it gets its seed head it bends over so you don't see it you have mm-hmm. to be looking on the ground it was mixed in with the dame's rocket which is a taller plant and it just you know hides in there and then after you start looking at leaf leaves on on weeds a lot of times there's not that much distinction True. and there were, between those two plants it was they were very very similar but uh again if you just take your fingers put uh and and just rub that you'll smell, you, you'll smell that oil coming off from and them. you know the dame's rocket when i first moved out to the lake house there was just thousands of dame's rocket and they're they're those pretty purple and and white flowers and i thought oh look at all these beautiful flocks that i have and i remember thinking Wow, I've hit the jackpot. These are just gorgeous. And then I found out they are invasive. So I have spent the last two years basically picking them all off the hillside because they're invasive. They are, however, very pretty. So Yes, and I don't know if the pollinators are there, but I would imagine that they might be. But here again, uh, like with the garlic mustard, uh, it, it becomes so invasive that our native plants... Are crowded out. Right, and so Dame's Rocket isn't a native plant, nor is this garlic mustard. It was brought over here by the Europeans, and they thought they were going to be eating it. So, and then it got away. Well, you know, we've had... Uh, really nice weather for the strawberries, the raspberries, the asparagus, all of these things that we get early. And I was surprised. Yesterday, um, I was out in my garden before it started raining, and this is my garden at home. I have the raspberries. And I was surprised to see the bumblebees in there. They're just working on oh, their, they like it. Their, their pollinating everything, and they're moving from plant to plant. And sometimes I think, I really don't have enough room for these raspberries. But, you know, that's a good reason to keep them. They're, they're a great place for pollinators, too. Yeah, and I, I was looking, and I see mine are starting to form little little berries. or the li- They're green. Hard, yeah, 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 yeah. And so pretty soon... They'll be ripening, and I try to pick them. Otherwise, the birds will pick them. So I, in the past, I've had to take a net and stick over it, or the birds get them all. Yep. And then as it gets toward later in the season, then I get some kind of a little black bug. I'm not sure what it's called. I should ask Shane, our extension agent. But th- that comes in and gets in there. And, and basically, I think they lay larva or something in the middle of it, and that's gross. Now, you know, we always get that, that I call it the fruit fly. 
It's got a hard shell on it. It's very yeah, small. Yeah, it's like a little beetle. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's very common. As a matter of how, fact. How, I mean, I, is there anything to do to get rid of them, or you just kind of expect that they'll be there? Yeah, yeah. It, and it's um, they're attracted to, once you you haven't been picking your raspberries, and, and that, that smell, is, smell. Is, is very, very pungent. As a matter of fact, when I was a kid, when my mom would be canning in the kitchen, with, especially if she was using vinegar and sugar, that combination and making pickles and that, We'd have these little black fruit flies, we call them. They'd, they'd settle on the screen. And my mom would say, don't use that door. Oh. You're going to have to go out the side door now. I don't want you letting any of those in the house. So they come for the fruit that, you ha- that you've that you missed. And some of it will also, f- your uh, raspberries will fall on the ground, and then they'll continue to decompose yep. down there. So that's what's bringing them and in. The, yeah, and then the more there are, it's kind of like Japanese beetle, the more come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I use uh, netting on top of my raspberries as well. And I should say I have netting on my strawberries up at Good Council and all the coal crops, the broccoli, uh, all uh, the cabbage, all of that to keep those, also those white moths from coming in and laying eggs on, on the uh, uh, cabbage and the broccoli. There's nothing worse than picking broccoli and, and it's got this perfect formed head. And then when you look closer, it's, it's full of, I actually threw a hole. It was a be- most beautiful head, but it was so covered in those little green yeah. worms that I just, I couldn't do it. You know, this the, this white netting is, it's it's so inexpensive. That's is this the, the gauze stuff or is it actually like a net? It's the gauze stuff. Okay. It's heavier than a curtain would be. Okay. It's heavier than the gauze you think of what you'd wrap up, use as a bandage or something like that. And it's, it's made out of nylon so it doesn't decompose. And I'll tell you what, the white is much better than the black because the oh. ultraviolet just breaks that. After one season, the black is it's it's starting to pull apart. It's not now, good. Now, does does the, do the plants still get enough light when you put oh, that? Yes, oh yes, so they get not. plenty okay. of light. Yeah, exactly. And then we we put that on hoops. We buy the um, the the um, it's the tubing that you use for. Um, that you can buy that all of this tubing now that that comes and you can bend it it's bendable mm-hmm. tubing sure. and it's the white and you use get the narrowest um, was, is that called UVC pipe UVC U- U- UVC plastic I forget mm. what the initials are anyway, but yeah, I can't remember. There's, there's, somebody there's some purpose for that. And you go out to your big box store and you get the smallest one and you can bend it over into a half circle and then put your netting on top of that. And then all the way around the edges of that to hold it in place. I just use bricks or I use boards. And then every time I want to get in there and take something out, I just simply lift the netting up and cut a cabbage or cut your broccoli. It's clean. It's nice. It's perfect. Say, I got a, uh, one of our listeners uh, wanted me to men- make sure we mention the farmer's market because oh, yeah. that is in effect. I mean, people are starting to sell things. And so our friend Lee Pomeroy wanted to make sure we talked about the farmer's markets because if you don't do your own gardening, the best place to get fresh yes. local food and you can talk to the, the vendor, the farmers, to see what they put in their stuff is local. So he says the big day is Saturday for the Mankato Farmer's Market, 8 a.m. to noon at Best Buy parking lot here in Mankato. And let's see. Thursday, it's and, downtown. Okay, yeah. He says also open on Tuesdays at Best Buy, 3.30 so to 6 p.m. And Thursdays at the Food Hub Park in Old Town, Mankato from 3.30 to 6. And North Mankato also has a farmer's market, and that is up in the uh, hill in North Mankato yes. uh, where my church is, Messiah Lutheran Church. 
And I believe that's Mondays, and then St. Peter also has a farmer's market. Yes, and Mapleton, as a matter of fact, most of the small towns really do have farmer's markets now. It is just a great way to get good produce. Fresh, too. Yes, fresh. And um, if if you grew up and you had a garden, but you can't have one now, and, and you know... I always loved it when we got radishes. The, you go out and pick radishes, and they'd be absolutely great. And I can't grow enough radishes. I've already harvested one whole crop, and I have a second crop going. But now until they come up, which is about 30 days, I have to go to the farmer's market and get radishes. I just can't stand the radishes that you buy in the store. They oh. just aren't the same. And I bought a new variety this year. It's an All-American selection. In fact, one of the only radishes that got All-American selection, I think it was Roxanne. But I have never seen a more perfect radish. And the perfect globe, red, beautiful red globe. Yes. And the bigger they get, they don't, you know, they still taste good. So yes. I was really impressed with that. It's and the one that I love is called French Breakfast. It grows extremely well in my garden. It makes a nice shape. It never gets, it hasn't ever gotten woody in my garden. I'm sure it could under some conditions, but that too, it's not terribly strong. And one of the things I found out from some of our uh, gardeners up at Good Council is people uh, coming from Asia and that, they fry their, their radishes. Really? Yes, they fry them. Well, cooking on Cooking with Joe, Joe Flannery, we have the cooking mm-hmm. show, he says he puts butter on radishes and that's... Does he fry them first? He can, yeah. yeah so maybe, I mean, maybe that's, that's why. a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're kind of peppery. And uh, but I like to do vegetables on the grill, and I'm I'm going to try that when I get another batch and put them on the grill on my grilling pan and and see how they come out. I'm just anxious to try that. But I like that the crispiness. Uh, if you have a sandwich, you make a sandwich and you have a, a layer oh, of crunch. Uh, oh yeah, radishes and get some salt and pepper on there. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And of course, you and I are going to be going on a tour tomorrow. We um, are. It's really exciting to be a part of. We're part of the Minnesota Hosta Society. There's also the Minnesota Lily Association. There's all sorts of things, and the really the fee to belong is what like five or ten bucks a year. It's yes, nominal. It, it's, it's it's nominal. So they're right. having a big tour. So Barbara and I get to hop on a bus. And we're yes. going to go tour some fantastic gardens up in the Twin Cities. We are, and we'll talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll be amazed by uh, companion plants that that are people are raising with their hostas because that's not always an easy thing for people to do because you've got a lot of shade and you want something that's going to bloom and look different. Got a little pop of color maybe. Yeah, it's a, a different textures, you know. <laughs> uh, so break that... Uh, monotonous line of just hostas. So we'll be talking about that. Great. Thanks, Barb. Always appreciate you. Thanks, Bye-bye. Karen. It is two minutes past 10 o'clock. You're listening to A Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin. Online at KMSU.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato. Big ideas and real world thinking. 68 degrees right now outside. Exceeded the high today, which was predicted to be 67. That's okay. But we're still predicted to have over a half an inch of rain. Looks like it's, uh, I haven't looked outside, but it looks like it either has started or will be starting and continuing on throughout the rest of the afternoon, throughout the morning, and more rain tomorrow, about another quarter inch on Saturday with a high of 74. More rain, just under a half an inch on Sunday with a high of 71. And Monday, another uh, tenth or so of an inch and a high of